Welcome to foreverfit.tv, your online source for fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle. Welcome, listeners, to episode 12 of your favorite health and fitness podcast, foreverfit.tv. This is a weekly show dedicated to bringing you the best advice to help you get in the best shape of your life. I'm Nicola Riley, a personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach. And joining me today is the one and only Cindy O'Meara. Cindy O'Meara is a best-selling author, internationally acclaimed nutritionist and speaker, as well as award-winning businesswoman and a mother of three. Welcome, Cindy. It is so great to have you on the show. And um, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, those that don't know you. Okay. Uh, look, I was brought up in a household where my dad was a pharmacist and my mum was a nurse. I had a great interest in health and, and I also wanted to snow ski. So... I looked for a university in the world where I could do university as well as ski, and I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, and I, I did pre-med, basically, there. Just did any science subject I wanted to do. And the, the science subject that really intrigued me was anthropology. And it was, the, it was the, anthrop- the, the whole evolution of man's eating that excited me. And it was because of that time at the University of Colorado, uh, I did lots of hikes through the Colorado Rockies as well as through Utah and... Um, through Bryce Canyon and Zion National Park. And I, I just had this love of, of the outdoors, evolution, and food. So I came back to Australia and I did my Bachelor of Science major in Nutrition. Saw that what they were teaching me had nothing to do with what I'd been taught at the University of Colorado. And was about to go and do my dietetics degree and went, I don't even agree with what you're telling me. I'm looking at what you're feeding people in hospitals. Surely this can't be what nutrition's all about. And I just went, I can't be a nutritionist. So I quit nutrition and went and did another two years of human anatomy. And at the end of that, I went, well, it's not the dead ones I'm really interested in, it's actually the live ones. So I realized after six years of uni, exactly what people needed to eat for health. And that was 30 years ago. And I was a heretic then, but you know, I'm not so much now. More and more people are saying this. Like back then it was Bernard Jensen. He was probably the only person that I had an alignment to. Now I could name off so many, like Mike Adams and Sally Fallon and Dr. Jack Cruz and, and Dr. William Davies. And I, I could just keep naming them. It's nonstop now. So it's really exciting to be in amongst these people that are actually saying the same thing as what I've been saying for 30 years. Yeah, there's, there's definitely two sides to a story. And it's, 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 it is totally about getting yourself back to... Of what we've been eating for centuries and it's um you know what what type of food has been we have been eating for hundreds and thousands of years and and it's only in the last you know 50 years or so that it's or even 80 years that's just all gone a bit custard really hasn't it <laughs> more, more in more ways than one and this is what's scary is that yes we have convenience and we eat our breakfast cereals and our modified milks and our our bread that's made with 15 or more ingredients, and then we'll have margarine because that's what's been marketed to us as the good thing, and then marmite and pastas and lean cuisines and healthy choices. And people have just believed that what's on the supermarket shelf is is good for them, but it's merely edible. It's actually making them fat, sick, broke, and nearly dead. And, and, and this is the problem, is that we are so unaware of where our food's coming from, what, how it's made. And even back to the actual food itself. So if we look at wheat back in the 1960s, wheat was actually a brand, or not a brand, but a, a, 
I can't even think of the word, but it was a type of wheat that was called emma wheat or einkorn. Now it's this other wheat that has 25,000 varieties. And they hybridized this wheat and now they're genetically modifying it to you know, basically feed a hungry world. Not once did they ever question this wheat that we've hybridized and created with 25,000 varieties, is it okay for human consumption? So most of our food is made from wheat. I just named off breakfast cereals and crackers and bread and pasta. And if you're eating that five and six times a day for decades, you are going to have health problems. You know, to have wheat on occasion and even to have our, you know, our old style wheat, such as our emma and our einkorn, would be more important to, than, than what we're doing right now. And if you notice, like, you know, like, look at our kids. We've got kids that have Asperger's and autism. It used to be a rate of one in, I think, 100,000, I think it was. It's now at a rate of one in 88 that have some sort of spectrum on the autism Asperger spectrum. We've got ADD and ADHD. We've got allergies. They're, you know, they're tenfolded in 10 years. And they're now relating it back to all the additives, preservatives and flavorings and all these new foods that we didn't eat, you know, just 40, 50 years ago. If we can just get people to understand this and get them out of their convenience mode and make them realize that the convenience mode is actually the most inconvenient thing they can ever do. It's almost an inconvenient truth, not only for their own health, the health of their children, but also for the propagation of the species and for the planet. So in my way of thinking, get yourself together and you'll get the rest of the world together. You don't have to worry about the rest of the world, you just have to worry about yourself. It's about knowledge, and that's what you're doing. You know, you're, you're getting this knowledge out to the people. And if they, if they just wake up to realizing that the food we eat today has nothing to do with our evolutionary food, the food that we have survived on very well, by the way. You know, we may have had some infections, but we figured out all we have to do is wash our hands and we're fine on that one. But it's the food that we're consuming that has created the real big problem that we have now in our health. And I just think if we just started to think about this, our social health would change as far as how much it costs. You know, in Australia and in New Zealand, you know, our social health is going down the tube. Soon we won't have it because it's just too expensive. Yeah. So change is needed and it's great to see that you're getting that word out to people. Yeah, well, I just find it just mind-boggling, um, people's perceptions of food and diet and... It just, it, to me, it's common sense, and I just, that's why I just love people like yourself. They're just, it's common, it's eat food that we're designed to eat, you know? We're designed to eat meat, we're designed to eat vegetables, we're designed to have fats in our diets, we're designed, you know? And I love your philosophy, you know? A little a good chocolate is good for you, and, uh, you know, it, but it's, it comes down to understanding we're human beings and, and we're designed to eat real food and it's, it's just mind-boggling the modern food out there and the modern illness. It's just, uh, yeah. Talking about superfoods last week. Yeah. Superfoods is cacao. You know, it, it is a superfood. It's really high in magnesium. That's one of it. You know, like, why take magnesium tablets? Just take chocolate. My gosh, you know, it's not yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's the, it's the quality that you get. So the quality is if you read the back of your chocolate bar 
uh, and you read that there's 15 ingredients in it, not one of them is cacao or uh, anything that's normal, then throw it out and get the good stuff. And, and you know, that's what we've done is that we've actually produced 100% cacao. Yeah. And it is absolutely beautiful. Like I've been making, last night I made this amazing coconut slice and I crushed up my cacao, which was 100%, no sugar or anything like that, threw it into this slice. Oh, my gosh, it was beautiful. It's gone now. I just <laughs> made it last night, I think, 7 o'clock. The hordes got it. It's finished. Yeah. The hordes are my family. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's the sugar. It's not only the additives, the preservatives. It's the sugar that's, you know simple sugar that you, you might be buying what you think is you know 80% good chocolate but what's making up that other 20% and you know you're wondering why you've got mood swings and cravings and all sorts of other things it's making sure your foods you know you, it, it comes down to you know that um, you hear coca, um, chocolate's good for you you might read a magazine and it says chocolate's good for you but they're they're not talking about the real chocolate and so it's just making sure that don't just read into marketing, get the facts and know that real chocolate's good for you. And it's not the sugar and all the other things, so yeah. yeah. It's, you know, probably the most important thing is for people to read the ingredients. Because if they're not reading the ingredients, they're not understanding what they're eating. Forget the nutritional label, it's a waste of time. The fat, salt and sugar content, it all depends on the quality of the food that's in the food, not the fat, salt and sugar. Like, they've demonized fat, they've demonized salt and they've demonized sugar now. So... You know, we're all like, oh, we can't have fat, we can't have salt, we can't have sugar. What do the taste buds have left if we don't have those three beautiful foods? And it's not about, like, I would never have white salt and I would never have white sugar and I would never eat margarine. But I would eat rapidura sugar and I would have Himalayan seaweed salt that I make up with my dolls and I would have butter. So it's a matter of, okay, well, which is the better quality? And it's not about quantity anymore, it's about quality. Read your ingredients, you'll get it. But the scary thing is, you know, is we can read the ingredients of our, um, our food labels, but when it comes to vitamins and minerals and supplements, there is no label reading. They can tell you what they like. They're not telling us the truth. Yeah. That scares me because I went researching the other day on um, fish oil and I, I, I went to the pharmacist because I thought I'd start there and there was like... 10 varieties of fish oil. And I kept reading them and they all said exactly the same thing. They all said that they were fish oil natural. That's all it said. And I kind of went, fish oil natural, what's that? Where did it come from? I want to know, well, where did it come from? What hemisphere did it come from? Which ocean is it? What type of fish is it? Was it wild or was it farmed? Uh, Was the oil pressed, solvent, centrifuged, or, you know, cold extracted? Did they have to um, add an antioxidant to it because it had lost all its antioxidants? And is the antioxidant something that is good? If it's a cheap fish oil, did they add soybean oil to it? You know, it, they never—they don't tell you this. So then I bought one. I bought a kid's one, and I opened it up, and I smelt it. Well, it was so artificial in smelling. It had this sweetness and this—the colours. Like there were there were that many colours in it, and there was like there were little um, tubes. <laughs> of fish and they had that many colours, I'm thinking, surely this has got colour in it. So I rang the company and I said to the company, could you please tell me what the sugar is that you're using in this? Because you cannot tell me that this is fish oil by itself and you're telling me it is. And she said, oh, well, we use sucralose. And I, that's an artificial sweetener. 
and you haven't put that on the label. She said, well, we don't have to. I said, well, what else is in there? She said, well, we, we do put nature identical flavors. And I said, well, what the hell is natural identical flavors? Is that natural or artificial? She said, well, it's a mix between the two. <laughs> I reminded her that flavors are 48 chemicals, including diacetyl and solvent. And diacetyl has just been implicated in a disease called popcorn lung. And this guy just got a payout for $6.2 million because he was affected by the flavor of this flavor that causes popcorn lung, you know? I said, mm -hmm. And then, so then I said, well, what colors are in there? She said, well, artificial. And, and, and I just said, well, what else is in there? She said, well, if you tell me what you're allergic to, I can tell you whether it's in there or not. <laughs> and I just said, do you mean to tell me that you're not gonna tell me what's in there? And she says, that's right, we don't have to. It's our secret formula. Mm -hmm. And that was it. It's, it's just, it's, this is fish oil that we give to our kids. Yeah. And you cannot tell me that this is doing them any good whatsoever. In actual fact, there was a study done, um, an analysis, and this was a double blind study, you know, with all the, all the wrappings and trimmings of studies. And it basically said this, that all this cognition that fish oil tablets are meant to be doing for our children and all this helping of their brain activity, it's absolute BS. It actually doesn't. We've never really done a study on it. We don't know how that information got out there. So we're basically looking at that one. There's also a meta-analysis that was just done September this year, so one month ago, uh, and it basically said that uh, with all the studies that we're looking at, it really doesn't help with heart disease or stroke or sudden death or arrhythmias. So it's not helping the adults with their hearts. It's not helping the children with their cognition. But it does have an inflammatory um, help. It does help with inflammation. So people who are taking fish oils that, have a, that are aching and paining, when they take the fish oil, it actually helps with it. But I look at it this way. I kind of go, well, why have you got the inflammation? Is it because of the food you're eating? And if it is a food you're eating, why don't you just stop that and then you don't have to take the fish oil capsules? Yeah. And when you consider the ethics of a fish oil capsule, to make one kilo of fish oil, you need five kilos of fish. So, and if you look at it this way, if you take one capsule of fish oil, which is 1,000 milligrams or one gram, that equals five grams of fish. Let's say you take 10 a day. You know, some people are really into this and they'll take 10 a day. That is 50 grams of fish. Multiply that by seven days a week, that's 350 grams of fish. Why not just eat a piece of fish? Really? You know, I just, it, it is beyond my, my comprehension why we do this stuff. Yeah. And then what's even scarier is what they're capsulated in. So if you're taking the caps, uh, we, my husband and I decided that we wanted to bring Camu Camu into the country. So Camu Camu is a plant out of South America that's very high in vitamin C and very expensive. And I just said to myself, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. He said, well, why don't we encapsulate them? I said, well, that's a good idea. Uh, so that people could only take so much, they're not going to be taking teaspoonsfuls, which is costing them $20. So we decided to encapsulate them. And I said to him, let's find the ingredients of the capsules, the gel caps. So he gives them to me. And the one we, that we were getting had sodium lauryl sulfate in it, propylene glycol. Let, let me just read you some of the ingredients 
of, of some of these. Where did I put it? Okay, hypomelliolose, macrojol. I don't know how to say these words. Um, salicephate. Um, like it just. Oh, here we go. Here's even more. Titanium dioxide, um, polyethylene glycol, glycerol monosterate. Monosterate. Now, not all gel caps are made the same. But you cannot tell me that gel caps are just gelatin. Or as this, uh, this company that I rang said, oh, we make it out of bovine skin. <laughs> well, bovine skin? That doesn't look like bovine skin to me. You've got to be doing something else to it. No, no, it's just bovine skin. Oh, God. Do you get where I'm getting? Yeah. This? Yeah. It's mind-boggling. It's, it's, I mean, uh, it, it's just that whole thing where people... It's, it's too easy for someone to pop a pill where, I mean, if they just added some fish into their diet a couple of times a week, they're getting the omega-3s that they need. And the only time they'd want to be having that is if for some reason they needed, like you said, that they do have some anti-inflammatory and, but it would be only, I mean, it, I guess it comes down to finding the right quality as well. So you must, you must have done a lot of research into finding some good quality fish oils out there. I did actually. I, um, I, I probably found one, <laughs> and that's what's scary because there's a lot on the market. Do you know that it's a 2.5 billion dollar industry here around the world at the moment? In Australia, and I'd say New Zealand's much the same. 25% of the population are taking fish oil capsules. Wow. And to me, it's a waste of time because yes, there's some good fish oils around, and one that I found. I, I found one that actually was ethical in its flavor. I did ring the owner of the, um, of the company and I said to him, you know, tell me about the fish oil. And because he's a good friend, he was really honest with me. And he said to me, we have to refine it. We have to refine it so much because of the, uh, everything that's in it at the moment. And he does get this Norwegian fish oil and it's said to be the best. But he still said to me, I've been to the processing plant. It's a whole refining process. So, and you're still ethically thinking, well, it's still five kilos of fish to one kilo of oil. So to me, this is an ethical stand I think we need to make. Eat a piece of fish once a week even. There's your 350 grams. Yeah. Get what you need. And if you have inflammation, figure out what the food is that's causing the inflammation because that's usually what the problem is. Um, so... You know, I do a whole protocol on this. I do um, the four-phase fat elimination protocol, which eliminates everything from the diet to and then reintroduces things back into the diet to figure out what it is that's causing the problem. So that's one that I do. And I do the hunter-gatherer elimination protocol. Both have their horses for courses. You know, there's reasons for doing one or the other. And when you do these, you become so empowered by what food does to your body and that you now have a choice. You're just not eating willy-nilly, going to your doctor, and your doctor saying, "Well, you've got arthritis. We'll just give you, you know, these um, rheumatoid, whatever. I don't even know what anti-whatever they are <laughs> capsules, and you'll be fine. But you'll have to be on them for the rest of your life. You know, if the doctor says that, walk away. If yeah. someone says you'll need to be on this for the rest of your life, walk away, because that is a scary option. When all you have to do is be on an elimination protocol anywhere between three and six weeks. That's not a lot of time compared to the rest of your life. Figure out the foods that are causing inflammation. It's an easy thing to do. 
and move on with your life and feel the power. Like the other day, um, I went out with a whole bunch of friends. Every single one of them do have done my protocol and have done the elimination protocol. They all have lost copious amounts of weight. They're in their 50s. They look amazing. They look like they've lost 20 years of their life. Uh, they were just full of energy and so happy about their lives. And they figured out what were the foods that caused the problem. They have no more aches and pains. They have no hormonal problems. They have all the energy in the world. They're, they're buff. They're not puffed. They're buff. And I, I just love it. I, I love seeing this. Yeah. And if people only just realize it's all about food, that's it. It is. It's all about the food you're eating. Think about it. You build a, a, a house with poor materials, you're going to have a house that blows down in the first wind. You build a body with poor materials, you're going to have a body that just falls down in the first infection, um, first bit of stress. You know, we should be able to deal with stress. We've dealt with stress for millions of years. You know, we're either, being, we're either chasing something or being chased by something. You know, stress was there. Uh, and, and, you know, everyone blames stress, but I blame our bodies that can't cope with the stress anymore. Yeah. Does this all make sense to you? Oh, totally. It's it's just you know it's about taking control of your body and just filling it with food, getting to know food and love food, and just fueling your body. And it's people are too quick to grab the quick fix or re buy into this marketing plan or just think that the you know popping some fish oil is going to give them amazing skin and help them heal their body, whereas they'll still eat that the gluten or the buns which are causing the joints to ache and their moodiness and it's just it's a vicious cycle and it it's just about you know educating people just get back to basics learn to fuel your body and understand what works for it because all of us are different and we all react different to foods but if you continue to ignore you know your symptoms and ill feelings well then you're just going to continue to feel that way so it's it's um yeah it's pretty pretty I find that really amazing about the fish oil it's it's um it is it's just everywhere. Well, I thought you know when fish oil first came out, I'm I'm very much about real foods or anything that comes from real food. So you know like green powders such as wheatgrass and barley grass and spirulina and and chlorellas and and all of those or beet beet juices things like that. I think is great because I think well, it comes from a food, it's not come from a chemical laboratory. So my assumption was that fish oils were great, they came from fish. But when I really looked into the industry, and I, I actually believe that when this first started, it may have been quite good. But because other people have gotten on, in on the bandwagon and realised this is a huge industry, you know, 2.5 billion to the world. Then they said, how can we make it cheaper so we can get to the masses? Because I remember fish oil used to be like $45. Actually, my first bottle was $75 that I paid for fish oil. I went to this, to this pharmacy and I, I think I saw 400 capsules for, I think it was like 10 bucks, it was maybe under $10. And, and so what they do is that they, they see this, this amazing thing and they go, right, we can make this cheaper. All we have to do is add soybean oil to it, put it in a capsule, and there's going to be 10 of them. And this, this is what's happened, is that everybody gets on the bandwagon. Most um, health food companies are not run by um, experts, they're run by businessmen who want to make money. 
they go to someone and say, I want fish oil. They say, well, I can provide it for you for, you know, $2 a kilo. And he's going clink, 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 clink. I can then sell it for that. There's all the research. Let's do it. Yeah. Yet it's not about business. It's about you're playing with people's health. And so anything we bring to the market, we go to the place that my husband's been in South America. Um, we will go to where our food's coming from. So I've been to Bali looking. We're on our way to um, uh, to the Himalayas, to Nepal, to look for the salt. We're, we're always out searching for new foods. We've just been in Africa. We found this amazing food in Africa. So we, we know what it's coming from. So it was interesting, you know, this whole thing with the capsules actually started because of Camu Camel, which I talked to you about before. And my husband said, calls me into his office one morning and he goes, can you figure this out? If we buy Camu Camu from South America, it costs this much. If we buy it from the US, it's half the price. And I, and I looked at it and I went, it looks like that's what you're telling me it is. How can it be a product from South America, yet America is selling it at half the price? So we actually ran the, the red and we said, how is it that your Camu Camu is half the price? He says, oh, well, we want to increase the vitamin C level of it to 20%, not 16%. So we've actually added vitamin C powder, which is made from keto acid. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa is right. Yeah. And this is, this is when I really started to look into this whole thing. And so I just, I just look at them all now. I look at like vitamin A is made from, uh, actually, sorry. Yes, vitamin A is made from acetone. Vitamin C is made from keto acid. Uh, vitamin D comes from a chemical laboratory in Germany. That's as far as I've traced it back. I don't know how they make it. Some people say it's made from lanolin, from the sheep's wool, uh, but I, I don't. I don't know. I, I can't. It's really hard to get into these laboratories and find out. But when I do find something, I just pack it away um, for further research or, or for further articles that I write. Yeah. But most supplements here in Australia, and it will be the same in New Zealand, is that there are a couple of manufacturers here in Australia. So they source their vitamins and minerals from chemical laboratories all over the world. They bring it in, um, a reputable brand will go to them and say, we want to create a vitamin mineral tablet for pregnant women. We want in it uh, folic acid, we want you know, vitamin B, we want vitamin A, C, D, E, K, whatever. And we want it in these amounts. Can you please make us a pill to do that? Which they do. So what I do is I ring the manufacturer and I say, what's your source of vitamin D? And they say, well, we get it from this company. So I then ring this company and they go, well, we make it for them, but we source it from this company. So then I ring that company and they won't tell me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm totally against the supplement market. I will not have any, take any supplements. You know, people say to me, well, what if you're in a crisis mode? What if we're in a position where you know, it's cancer or heart disease or something like that. I say, well, let's just at least start with food. Let's at least get you to eating the right foods. And then look at superfood supplements. And like in the end, um, you know, there, are, there might be a reason we need to take vitamin like iron or something like that at some stage in our lives. But my thing is if you're in general health, um, mode and you, you're just trying to get your health up and you have an iron deficiency, my question would be this, why do you have an iron deficiency? 
Is it because you're eating way too many grains that's connecting with the minerals and drawing it out of your body? And we, we actually do know this. If you eat too many grains, which is one of the biggest things in our food groups that we should be taking, uh, when we're eating too many grains, it draws out our minerals, draws out calcium, draws out magnesium, draws out iron. And we have a lot of young people with iron deficiencies. But this is the scary thing about iron, is that, and I don't know about all supplements, but some supplements you can crush and get a magnet and put the cling wrap around it and pull an iron shaling out of it. Now, I'm not sure if anybody licks their cars for their iron, but you might as well do that because I think it'd be cheaper and you probably get far more benefit out of it. I don't recommend <laughs> Iron has to come from the ground, go through a plant, and then we can consume it. Iron can be in the blood of animals. Iron can be in the meat of animals. These are the foods that we've evolutionary got, you know, this is our evolution. This is how we've always got our iron. We have not got it from mining it out of the ground. Yeah. And we, it, like, I know I'm probably being really pedantic here, but if you want really good health, eat food. You know, and then supplement with superfoods such as cacao or wheatgrasses or I do a colloidal mineral just to make sure we're getting our minerals and that's plant-based. So we get plants out of South Australia and we draw the minerals out of that plants. Uh, and I have a, a, this wonderful, intelligent, gorgeous man that worked in the industry for nearly 20 years who does it for me. So we actually do colloidals and um, probiotics is another thing that I've never got my head around. So I know last week you were talking about doing probiotics as well as doing bone broths. Bone broths are the best thing for healing the gut and getting the probiotics started back in the gut. But if you're eating foods with preservatives, if you're eating um, and, and taking antibiotics, you're taking the pill, if you're taking anti-inflammatories, if you're taking food, foods and drugs like this, then you're going to be destroying not only the bacteria in your bowel, but the bacteria, what we call a microbiome. And the microbiome is that we are actually only at one-tenth human. The rest, of us are, the rest of us is a bunch of microorganisms that help us function. And when you eat preservatives, antibiotics, and anti-inflammatories, the pill, hormone replacement therapy, uh, and any food that has anything like this in it, you're destroying the harmonious relationship and symbiotic relationship we actually have with these. So when you eat real foods, they've all got microorganisms in them. That goes into the gut, helps us uh, do everything we need to do, make vitamin K, make some vitamin Bs, and we live happily and healthily ever after. Well, maybe not ever after, you know, someone, like everyone says, well, you're going to die of something, Cindy. But I kind of go, well, you know what? I want to die with lots of energy, not decrepit, 15 years, dementia, heart disease, can't move, can't walk, can't do anything, you know, forget that. You know, let's have some energy. And maybe, I, I said to my dad, you got one week, dad. You know, he's 84, and I said, you got one week to, to cark it. You're not having this 15 years that everybody else is having. And, and he laughs at me, and I, because he's a very sprightly, young 84-year-old. And you can be it, and not on any medications or anything. So when it comes to probiotics, they're all made in chemical laboratories. And some could be genetically modified, you don't know. They've usually got two bacteria in them. Whereas when you actually ferment your foods, so you make yogurts and kefirs and kimchis and sauerkrauts, and you know, every culture has a, a beautiful fermented food. When you actually ferment your foods, 
you actually got more than two bacteria. You, you could have 20, 30, 40 bacteria that are all going to help you know, our bowels. So what we did with our probiotics is we actually got a food and we actually put uh, a ferment into it, like a whey, and we fermented the food, dried it, crushed it, put it in a pack. That's it. And when you look at the difference between, you know, everyone's into the counter at the moment, oh, how many bacteria counts do you have? When you look at food compared to um, a petri dish uh, type of probiotic, <laughs> the difference is, that you know, you, might, you can have one tablespoon of, of kimchi or, or my probiotic or uh, sauerkraut, and you have to have a heap of these capsules, and then what's in them? What's in the gel caps? <laughs> Totally. I mean, probiotics. So you know, if you're if you're eating your if you're eating your vegetables and you get like this, the soil. It's just because we're living in these modern worlds. We're built up with concrete that we're not eating the real food with the real bacteria. We're using antibacterial washes. We're cleaning everything to death, and we're just you know our, our body's just not getting exposed to that good type of bacteria, and it's just. Um, you know, you've you got to wonder why we're getting all these problems as well with our health. And it's it's pretty, um, yeah, it just comes, again, right back to just basics. Get some good quality foods, that the fermented foods. I got myself used to the sauerkraut. That's an interesting taste. <laughs> Introduced that probably about a year ago now. And, um, yeah, it's, I quite enjoy it now. <laughs> Look, there's, there's some good fermented foods around. Like, you have a good yogurt. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can make yogurt with coconut milk even. You can make it with uh, almonds. You can make it with different milks. You don't have to make it with cow's milk. You can make it with goat's milk. You can make it with sheep's milk. Buffalo, oh, buffalo yogurt milk. Oh, I don't even know why I say that word. It just brings the best taste <laughs> to my mouth. <laughs> so, you know, there's, it's, it's not, we just so have this traditional thing that we've got to use cow milk. Well, we don't. We can use other milks as well to make our yogurts and our kefirs. And, and then there's kombucha. I can't get enough of the kombucha. I just love it. And that's that mushroom that you ferment. Have you got that? No, I haven't got that. It's not something you can kind of easily get here, really. It's, um, I haven't looked too much into it. <laughs> I know, the kombucha, like I had a mushroom for years and years and years, and then I went traveling and I lost it. And I haven't found another one, but there's a company here in Brisbane that is actually making kombucha and bottling it. So I've just been getting their bottles and oh my gosh, they're just beautiful. And I know the girl, like I'm, I like to have a relationship with the people who make my food if I'm not making it. So I've actually know the girl, her name is Sarah Lance and she actually wrote a book called Chemical Free Kids. So now, you know, she started on this thing where she's trying to get ferments into kids. Mm -hmm. So think about it this way. Pregnant women, 30% of them are now having antibiotics. That means that they don't have the bacteria in their bowel to make the vitamin K that's needed for the baby. When the baby is born, we give them vitamin K injections. All we have to do is stop giving the mother the antibiotics and, and, and start having mothers having probiotics and then we won't have to give the injection. So that's number one. Number two, 32% of Australian women, and it's probably that fairly close in New Zealand, uh, now have cesarean sections. So when the baby comes out in a caesarean section, they're actually exposed to skin bacteria such as Staphylococcus. That's their first exposure. Whereas when it's a vaginal birth, do you know how amazing the body is? When you're pregnant, your bacteria change in the vaginal wall 
so that when the baby comes out, it's exposed to the bacteria it needs to colonate its, its bowel so that it can live a healthy life. And there's a real thing now happening that it's, it's about the antibiotics. It's about the sterilization of the bowel that is causing the rise in autism and Asperger's. And I just think women need to be aware of this and start to make some changes in their birth plans. In you know, sometimes you have to have a C-section. I get it. Uh, so it, it's about going. Well, do I really need this while I'm pregnant? You know, do I need? Do I you know? Do I need a C-section or I just want one? Because some people just want one. You know, it's like it's convenient. Uh, Am I prepared to breastfeed because the colostrum is so important in colonating the bowel? Or am, am I wanting to just give the easy, get the easy way out perhaps and, and, and do formulas? Am I going to give my kids cruskets which have wheat in it, which if it's the modern wheat, which it will be, actually causes so many other problems uh, with bowel bacteria? So this is, we have to bring people back to our natural state. It's not only our evolutionary food that we need to look at, we actually have to also look at our, our sleeping patterns. How did we sleep as we evolved? Did we stay up till one o'clock in the morning with a screen in our face? Did we have night lights? You know? Yeah. So our biochemistry works on the sun and the moon and works on day and night. And so to, to understand that, you understand the importance of sleep. And you also understand the importance of all these natural things that we've got to do in order to be healthy. And if we miss these things, we will get sick. There, there, there's no, it's black and white like that. If you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. If you do do this, then the probability of you getting sick is far less. Yeah. No, that's... Oh, I just love everything you have said. <laughs> it's just... It, it just all comes back down. I just love the, you know, it's eating what we've been eating for centuries and traditional food, getting to love your kitchen. Um, I mean, that I find that just mind-boggling that some people just don't even know how to cook. I mean, it's common sense that you need to know what you're putting into your body and not reaching for the pills and the potions and the the next diet. Yeah. You no, know, I was brought up this way. And... Uh, I, I'm, I turned 52 and I never had an antibiotic, a Panadol, an aspirin. Uh, I don't, you know, everybody gets sick with the cold. Everybody uh, has aches and pains. Everybody, and at my age I'm talking about. And I don't have any of it. And yeah, sure, I'm just one test case. I'm not a clinical trial. I'm, you know, just somebody doing that. But I've pulled my kids up the same way and they're all adults. And they can all attest to the same thing. Although I must admit they do get colds. And it's because they live a teenage, you know, the, the young adult lifestyle. They go out and they drink and they sleep, they don't sleep. And, but when they do it right, they don't get sick. So, yeah, sure, I party. <laughs> it's not like I live this sterile lifestyle. I, I love to party. I love to enjoy myself. I love to travel. But I live within a realm of, this is what I have to do in order to maintain this health. And I live within a philosophy, and the, and the philosophy is holiness. Everything I do relates back to our anthropology, and everything I eat relates back to that as well. And that's all about holism, not reductionism. 
And reductionism is where we look at the fat, salt and sugar. When we say you need vitamin B, well, maybe you just need, you know, good quality spinach or kale. Maybe you don't need just B, you need everything with it. Like, really, in our anthropology or in our evolution, did we ever extract vitamin B from anything and eat that? No, we ate the food because we needed it. We knew the herbs that gave us the, the healing fats. And more and more people are coming coming back to this. Yeah. And the more they come back to it and have it in their backyard. So I, I wish I had a picture of my my backyard. I've, I've got it on my phone. I don't know if I can pick it out. But I've, I've got um, a veggie patch and a herb patch. And it's all green. That's all I do. Because I can't put the pumpkins in. And I just, like I probably could, but I just haven't done it. But all my greens come from there. So you go out and you pick your greens and you pick your herbs and you pick everything. And you just... It's, it, you get back to the way things used to be, and you know what you save yourself a lot of money. <laughs> totally, I get. I guess I, a big message I want people to get away from this as well is that if they have got the aches and pains and the health problems, for them not to think that it's too like because your body is just so amazing that it can heal. Like, um, it's it, a lot can change if you sort your food out, and and it's. Just people sort of get stuck and think, well, this is me, this is it, this is how I feel. I've got aches, I've, I'm old, I've got arthritis, I've, I've had this, you know, and it's just people need to understand that your body is the most absolutely amazing tool and you can heal yourself and you can get yourself looking and feeling amazing. But you know, you, you need the education, right? Yeah. You must have yeah. the education. And um, I have, um, people can go to my website, there's so much on my website. You can go to my YouTube channel, you can go to Facebook. And it's all changing habits. So my website is changinghabits.com.au. My Facebook is changing habits. And uh, my YouTube, I think, is either Cindy O'Meara or changing habits. I, I forgot which one it is. I have um, also changinghabits.co.nz. So we have a warehouse in New Zealand. So everything can come to you from New Zealand rather than Australia. Uh, and a lot of e-books. So you can have the information now. Don't have to wait. You can, you can get the information now. Oh, wow. That was amazing, Cindy. <laughs> I, mean, I think I can just get you just talk for, for ages, just so many different subjects we could delve into. But I think that's, that's enough for the listeners today, definitely. And, yeah, just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of the listener's heart for coming on the show. It's just great to be able to share this kind of knowledge. And, yeah. Any parting messages? Yeah, and thanks to you for doing this. Um, I love it. I, lo- I love that there are so many people doing these and getting out to the community. So well done. Well, thank you. It's it's fun. I enjoy it. <laughs> okay, talk, we'll talk to you soon, listeners. Thank you.